you're listening to another episode of the Get The Shot podcast. Don't forget you can follow us on social media, on Instagram at Get The Shot podcast and on Twitter at GTS underscore podcast. Now, without further ado, on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Get The Shot podcast with your host, Billy at Biff Kang. Josh Deakin at Mr. Josh Deakin. And John Willis at J-R-E Willis. Lovely. So today's topic, we are talking about social media and algorithms, which is uh, a topic that everyone likes to hate. Um, I did a social media and marketing little online course um, the other day, and I thought I'd share some of the knowledge I didn't know about. Um, is there anything that you guys know immediately about social media and algorithms? Okay, so... Um... I know that the Instagram algorithm changed a few years back to take us away from a chronological algorithm. So in other words, seeing things in real time when they were posted. So you saw the oldest things to the newest things or newest to oldest or whatever. Um, But now they've moved away from that. So they've moved more to that algorithm where they show you what they think you would want to see. So Josh, I know you had some thoughts on this. Yeah, um, so it kind of is reminiscent of uh, Apple's model of like trying to essentially build services and products around people on what they think that they want rather than what people uh, are basically expecting from Apple. So it's almost like sort of like cloud thinking, really, like, you know, kind of just grabbing what they think they might need later on. So like uh, maybe a good example might be um, uh, continuity. Uh, like the difference between handing off to another device. That was something that Apple kind of, I guess, looked at people's habits potentially. And I guess in the same instance with Instagram, obviously their parent company being Facebook, they've already been doing sort of algorithms for many years and they needed to shift to something new. The problem is, and I said this um, on a, because we had a a cancel recording a minute ago, but I said that it was the case that they did it very bullish. They like kind of just went in all guns blazing and, you end up getting hate for something that actually could have been quite good in the right context, right? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Billy, on the change in the algorithm? Um, I think that uh, I've noticed that. Sorry, <laughs> I've noticed that on my on my Instagram page um, with the relevance with people like um, Cleo Portraits, like I was talking about. Um, he pops up a ridiculous amount so I'll see every single thing that he uh, pops up so I'm making sure I like them which I think then encourages it to keep coming up mm-hmm. um, but I do like the timestamp. I do miss a lot of people's stuff um, due to them not incorporating I don't think they incorporate the timestamp at all um, I never see something that's come up in two minutes ago whether we like it or not it happens to always be the case that Instagram knits a close friend group around you even though you might not be using the friend uh, the close friends setting uh, as an option i know it's quite regularly the amount of people that i talk to whether i talk to them on the dm now or not will still either see, will see my story first as well and i think uh in the recent situation that we've had uh in this era um stories have been much much more prevalent i think uh people are posting more stories and i think specifically there's an awful lot more live broadcasts happening than have ever happened before people are finally i would argue using the platforms the way they were designed so i mean in general speak um it's 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 really weird saying it but there is quite a lot of blessings in the in the current circumstances that we're in and uh, 
I, I think about a month ago, maybe we, we, we all was very much on a different uh, scale of like how we appreciated whether social media was getting big out again because of the fact that we're all locked down. So we're using communications like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or even just doing a FaceTime call with someone. And then you obviously got the, the impact of Twitter conversations, whether they're toxic or not. And then Instagram is a general thing, maybe picking up. And I thought that it was generally picking up. And maybe that's just the sort of not posting to your page all the time, but potentially the fact that you're just saying, hello, I'm still here. I'm sharing, I'm part of the, I'm part of the current things going on still. But obviously I'm just not choosing to post as much. Do you think uh, do you think it, it's it's based on the fact maybe the fact that people have just got more time, so therefore the social media algorithms are perhaps adapting slightly, or we're just making more use of those algorithms because obviously uh, the algorithm probably hasn't changed. I wouldn't have thought in the twelve weeks or no. whatever. Um, it's still trying to show you stuff that's relevant or what it thinks is that, relevant yeah. to you. Um, a good example would be is that you know when you go on Instagram now and you look at your followers, you can look at the ones that are most that appear most in your feed. I love that. Um, and it, yeah, and it's quite interesting because the, the people that you do see, I'm like, oh yeah, I do see those a lot. Yeah, but I think the ones. Have you seen the ones where it's like um, least least seen, and you're like, I I see them a lot. Like I feel like I see them a lot. But the other thing is you mentioned as well that sometimes you miss people's work. And I think that is true oh, yeah. because sometimes I will go to say one of my least seen followers and when I click on them, I'm like, oh my God, they've they've posted like eight or 10 photos since I last saw yes, yeah. any of their work. And Do you I unfollow it... using that? I unfollow people using the least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably are now. I think it was a part of the part of the... Uh, shift that Instagram had because obviously there was a lot of tools that would allow you to unfollow followers that you didn't in interact with and stuff like that and I think a lot of people probably use that least interacted with as a way of going well I haven't interacted with them exactly. for ages. I can't remember the last time I saw a post of yeah. them that sort of thing yeah so in that way it's quite negative mm -hmm. maybe I think uh, what Instagram has been trying to do is with is, is it's quite a strategic backstep on what they've previously been been implementing, and that feature really did kind of come in. I think I think it came in in January or December. I can't remember. It might have been earlier than that, but I think that has come into play a lot more now because people have got more time, meaning that they're trying to do more spring cleaning, and that's something that people don't generally have time for in general. And I, aspects, and I would agree with that. I would say I'll come back to you in a minute, Bill. So. Um, I would say that um, the the idea, I think, is that people perhaps are spring cleaning. They are trying to spring clean a little bit. Um, and, you know, like I've done that with like my cloud storage. I've had a really thorough clear out of everything and I've gone through my Lightroom albums. I've done all sorts of stuff um, that is is ultimately designed to try and like tidy up my online presence a little bit so I've gone through and unfollowed a few people I've gone through and uh, sorted out my Twitter done a few other bits and bobs and I think people are perhaps doing that more often than not do you want to chime in Bill or no I am having fun with the zoom background <laughs> she's, um, just, she's just put herself in San Francisco so I, I, might <laughs> say, I think I might add into the fact that like uh, previously I think that was probably something that a lot of podcasts and a lot of people in general have said well, who has this amount of time? Well, you've, as we've quite clearly said in our, you know, how we was dealing with the pandemic episode is that, and I think that has a bit of relevance in what we're saying now is that 
social media is taking another another turn again. Um, I wouldn't say it's taking a U-turn. I mean, maybe Instagram's overall sort of practice of their algorithms and stuff are starting to change in slight ways that aren't always that noticeable at first. But I think I that hope they the, make a new thing. You don't yeah. you? Don't you think, like they've tried other things? Obviously, Instagram has plenty of flaws. So they've been more transparent them, with but... some of the things they're doing. Because I noticed that it yeah, does but... tell you, here's the latest stuff now. Do you want to go up to your new posts mm. now? It's a bit more... I feel like... I feel like we know quite a lot. I feel like from my question of, like, how much do we know? We are kind of, like, we're not novices at, like, no, being no. experienced with but social we've been media. On the, we've been on the platforms for quite a long time. I mean, I'm not on every social media platform now. Like, no, I'm not I don't do Facebook. Twitter. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Twitter. I'm not really on Twitter apart no. from just looking at stuff. I don't. I retweet things. I'm not a casual tweeter myself. Yeah, I'm not in the whole TikTok, Snapchat-y sort of generation, so yeah. I'm not part of that. And I get that they're just a different. I like TikTok. I'm a TikTok human. I do like it now. I must admit, and I think that kind of also rolls in with the fact that now, in a way, TikTok is starting to become the new, uh, possibly the next Instagram, with not with the same focus as Instagram, because you see people sharing their content from. Uh, from TikTok to Instagram, and that converts as followership across the two platforms. I mean, a good example would be my friend Melina, um, who's a, a photographer, but semi-photographer, but she's more so a model. And uh, she's she's taken her her knowledge of drama because she she was an A stu- A star student. She did really well in drama, and she's decided, well, okay, maybe if I'm not going to go for that sort of career choice, she went for TikTok. And she's gained near, she's nearly, uh, I think, 70 or 80,000 followers right now, which in Instagram terms is mind blowing. But TikTok, it's still very minute right now. And obviously, TikTok is very much in its one or two percent of the global landscape and it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, by the day. And my, um, one of my um, friends that I run a page with, run a, a feature page, uh, mm. he, uh, his son uh, put, he'd never been on TikTok. And he, he, I think I might have sent you guys this. His dad 3D printed uh, the words, I love you. But then yes. when you rotated the, the 3D print round, it said, send nudes. And yes, I it, saw yeah, that. And he put it on TikTok. <laughs> and within about three days, it got a million views. Like, oh, And then it went up to like four and a half million. That's brilliant. <laughs> you know, so it just shows you that it's very viral based. You know, whereas I think... Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, perhaps the, the thing is, I think... Um, what a lot of people who are perhaps really into photography perhaps don't want that sort of just seeing feed after feed of just viral content. They're more interested in seeing a portfolio of work of people, seeing people develop. And I think as we come out of lockdown and as things are eased, I think people's usage of things like Instagram might increase, actually, because people will be keen to see um, how people are getting back to shooting and what images they're capturing and stuff like that. Whereas at the moment, I think, towards, especially towards the end of lockdown, when we were at like 12 weeks in, there was a lot of like duplicate posts being posted. And, you know, mm. like this is an unseen one from a previous set that you've seen loads of and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I guess it, I guess in, in one aspect, that always comes off as almost like someone's being quite vain about their work, but they love to do it shows like i decided i'm gonna implement too much new content uh sorry old content with uh even like the sort of you know online shoots and stuff and i've i've almost sort of taken a back step from actual posting and just sticking to my story so i've almost gone like a snapchat account in a way yeah but, so you kind of you, i know you're kind of allowing like 
short instances of stuff that appear but won't be there forever because yeah. you just want them to be something that shows people that you're still alive and that you you know you haven't died of COVID nineteen, but ultimately yeah. you are uh, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately that you are you are um, you are still creating. But you, yeah, I haven't, not, you don't I haven't want succumbed it, to anything. Yeah, you don't you don't want it to be you're a still permanent. In the game. Yeah, you don't want it to be a permanent fixture on your record. Mm. And um, that's the thing, really. My my posts obviously are still being seen by people even if they're not if, if they're not seeing them in the feed because i still get likes on all those photos that i've posted previously mm. and it's near it, i think it was the 27th of may i last posted um and i haven't posted since then not because i've chosen not to it's just because i haven't thought about doing it and i, and I think that kind of marries with the fact that people are taking social media right now and really changing what they think is the norm for them <laughs> yeah sorry i've got electric curtains on the set timer um and they i think tends to hey, wait, change wait, no, pause 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 for the podcast not the whole podcast you're going to listen to this audience why do you have electric you have automated curtains josh can we just take a minute I, I, just just the tldr i've had them for, i've had them for years my dad was testing swing out a few years ago and That's he just so added it in my room honestly it's not really that smart like, you can get alexa enabled ones as well now I love that. It's just, oh, I'm terribly sorry. My curtains are closing themselves. <laughs> sorry, my, my curtains are <laughs> the timer. They have, honestly, they've, it's tried to close so many times in the past in the podcast. You guys have never noticed, obviously. I've never, oh, yeah. I've never heard electric curtains. We're yeah. leaving this bit in, just so you know. I mean, we are definitely, definitely going to leave oh, this bit in. Please do. That's the thing there for us. Anyway, we're getting back to what we were talking about. Yeah, the, the point that I was saying about is that I think people are uh, taking social media uh, a lot more seriously now, whether that's because obviously they're, they're doing a lot more socialising through their story and maybe making TikToks that they're implementing as well. But they're, they're, people's profiles are taking a U-turn, uh, um, well, taking a, a, a curved corner turn in terms of where they're going to be at the end of this lockdown, as you said, John. And I think even, even Billy, I think you were saying recently, uh, about how you wanted to go back into your content. I mean, it was quite subtle what you were saying, but like I got what you were saying. You you want this almost to be not like a clean slate, but you want to, you want it to be a continuum of your work, but not in the sort of oh I've just got this, I'll just keep on posting this. But you're going to change some of your style. Like you said, you were nervous to change your style. Even I think even the last episode or the episode before, we were saying that obviously you weren't sure about where you're going to take your naming of your branding to think about stuff, and that's not the easiest thing. Because you don't get this. I'm, the, I'm literally going to change my middle name. You know, it's BFHUK. I used to be Billy Francis Harrison. Screw it. It's Billy Furlow Harrison. That is my last <laughs> name. Brilliant. The, like, uh, the Furlow like Queen. No, it's, I think it's a good opportunity to back. And people are actually, you know, like, thinking it's new content because I have had, had quite a few followers since I posted said mm. old, old content. So a lot of people think it's just new. And if I don't point out that it's not new, you know, no one will know. But um, I do that with landscapes all the time. I just post something that yeah. I've previously posted from three or four years ago, uh, and people go, "Oh, I love this. This is nice." Because yeah. nobody scrolls yeah. back four years on your Instagram feed. No, yeah. no I, I mean, I, I, pr- I I did it before with the photo of uh, oh, uh, I Charlie uh, on Instagram. I, I posted a new version of it. A lot of people didn't seem to like the newer version as much, but I thought it was a more of a grungier type of version that I decided to do, and. It, it shows because that original one was done with Snapseed and that by Google, and the new one was done with Lightroom, so it's night and day. Ne- nearly thought that you said Snapshit then, but never mind. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say Snapshit. But anyway, so I suppose yes. let's, let's think about what the algorithm perhaps 
thinks is relevant. Yes. Yeah. So I know I know a little bit. So at the start, algorithm used to be obviously like we said, time stamped, um, yeah. which I prefer. Um, now it's more of like a relevance um, situation. It does have some factors that it puts in uh, when it comes to content and the algorithm. Um, and this this is kind of like applies to most social media outlets, not just Instagram. So we're not yeah. talking about just Instagram. Um, so some of the things are recency of publishing, editing or commenting. So, um, I mean, I do see some come up with comments. I don't know if you guys do. So if people are getting a lot of comments on that one post, that's yeah. why that's you should never from what I've learned. You should always put your post as a question. If you're giving no one anything to talk about, what are you expecting? You know, you, you're reaching out for something that's not going to happen. A call to action, I think, is the official term. Call for to it, action. Isn't it? A call, a to, call action. to action, yes. I'm feeling my uh, online course now. I could be like a social media rep. I just, I got bored. Um, so, another thing Billy is. Francis uh, the <laughs> So another thing is, um, does it contain a photo or other multimedia? I suppose this would kind of refer to more Facebook, Twitter, name me another social media. I don't know. Maybe any. LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn has a very a very heavy focus on tell corporate. me your life story yeah. and your corporate yeah. side of things, and then obviously thrown in any experience you've had. And a lot of people, quite regardedly, use in uh, LinkedIn as a way of uh, getting their next job potentially. So like you sometimes see leaks of uh, job roles at game development companies, for example. That's how some people find out whether they're looking to create a new game and they need a new lead for something. So those those relevances in social media for professionalism, I mean, I, I actually think that Microsoft buying out LinkedIn was a very, uh, a very good move for them. I mean, that might be something we might talk about a bit later on, but if we're mentioning it now, it is uh, quite a different side to social media, but it's not got far away from, you know, buying your relevance uh, through Instagram or through a Facebook I think promotion. It, it ties in really nicely with Microsoft's uh, business platform, doesn't yes. it? It's it's a business social media rather than a, uh, hello, here's your mom and your auntie and your best mate <laughs> and your everything else. It's These are people that I work with or have worked with or these are people that have skill sets that I could recommend. So it's mm. a bit different definitely. to like the social it's, media that we use. Microsoft uh, have definitely taken that business side even more seriously now since, uh, you know, Research Emotional blackberry as we know him has, has really let exited that scene rim yes rim yes research emotion exactly yeah. um what else does it sort of take into account then bill um so i'm just kind of briefly going through them anywhere are relevant so um how many likes and favorites does it have so obviously that's super relevant i mean i've never really noticed that they have a ton of likes when they're on my algorithm like on my um page I'm like, I never really look at it and be like, that's got a lot of likes. You know? I don't I don't think it's always the number of likes. I think it's the speed at which they've gained likes. Yeah. So I think if you post and then people see it and it likes and it snowballs, I think that's where it starts to perhaps appear on maybe like the explore mm. page or anything like yeah. that potentially. It's, it's what they call the dopamine effect, right, isn't it? Where you see that number growing and, and it makes you feel positive. Like you, even though you may not like the like feature as a thing or the, you know, the system that is the likes, you do get a bit of a dopamine hit from that. And I think that's uh, something which changes depending. And obviously then your whole kind of understanding of why something has not better than something else is put into question. Most people, um, when they post something to a social media platform, they might argue that they're not interested in the likes and stuff, but most people do have a sort of like confirmation bias. Like they like the fact that if people like it, it confirms to them that it was a good photo 
regardless of whether they agree with the system I can probably count at least five to ten on my hand of these sorts of people who will be argumentative about not being on that sort of thing but then anyone who just goes into their insights has no excuse in saying that so I think think one of those things that's quite interesting is obviously people are getting down that route aren't they of sort of going well actually I do like seeing how many people now what's interesting is a few of my obviously posts get featured on hubs and stuff like that and often, because the hubs have far more followers, you tend to find that the number of likes that my post gets on that might be four or five times what it's got on my page. And that, to me, is quite... So a, annoying. Well, it's annoying, but it's quite a good hit of dopamine because I'm like, it's well, nice. actually, people yeah. quite like it, but why haven't they come to my page? You, there's no pre- there's no pressure on you either, you know? Like, you haven't posted it for it to be a pressure on you. Mm, I'd be lying if I said I didn't care about likes. I do care a little bit, but I'm over it. You know, I, I understand where that comes from, though, because like anyone who's joined social media where there's a, a potential for, you know, likes as is, I mean, everyone's majority of people have started on Facebook as a social media network. So that 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 position of liking a comment or something or doing it to be, you know, in a friendly way, like saying, oh, I like your like your, like your work, even though I might not comment or something like that. That's like almost like sort of robotic activity. And we're so used to it. The Facebook um, sort of the the generation, like my generation and maybe a little bit older, obviously the the current sort of fifteen year olds, most of them aren't on Facebook. They're only Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, that no, sort of yeah. stuff. However, yeah. what is interesting is I'm really glad, really glad that Facebook didn't go down the route of having an algorithm that was dictated by likes and dislikes. Because I no, think if no. you'd had dislikes in social media, it would have been absolutely disastrous. Like what if, they if... did was actually very was actually very clever. Like even though they don't probably get the credit for it because Facebook do so many bad things that it's hard to give them credit for a lot of things. But the way that they decide to go about it with like the, oh I'm not very happy about this or this is a shocking thing. Like it allows people the emojis. To... The emojis, yeah. And I, and I think they 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 definitely understood the the demographic that would be using them and like the way that you react to something. I mean, Instagram has always been the heart and they won't change it from the heart because people like people's work. They love people's work. And that respect is obviously different on Facebook, different in the social well, media. And, the, and Instagram have pushed that through every like every bit of the platform now, haven't they? So DMs, everything, it's all linked in. So now, yeah. you know, it's that, it's that element of you heart anything that you like. Um, and you know, uh, for a lot of people, actually, the heart, the you know, the double tapping something to like it is confirmation that you've seen it and agree to it. Yeah, it really is. It it, it actually, it's almost like a sort of like kind of problem in in the respect that like people get validated, and some people then underst- understand that they've been validated, and they're like, well, hang on a second maybe I don't like this work, why should I be liking it? And I think that that's always been a question in people's minds, but one that we, it's, it's almost like you know, one of those unspoken truths or unspoken answers that you give to a question. Here's, here's an interesting thing, because obviously we're talking about the algorithm and interaction with people's likes and stuff like that, so I'll pose this to both of you and you can answer it individually. Mm. If, um, if we're thinking about uh, sort of the likes and the interaction, I think that people sometimes feel a pressure to like someone's post just because it's come up and they know them yeah. and they you know especially if they know them personally uh, they feel the need yeah they feel the need that they have to like or comment on it and go i they love this i they love don't this. like their work if their, their work doesn't seem liked if they don't get a like for it yeah like for like exactly so i think there's an element of people are liking stuff that they don't actually technically think is good but they're doing it out of social pressure maybe to a certain extent yeah and i think that's Definitely. why the likes the likes is going 
to the sort of deathbed direction right now. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, interesting. I think they've taken it away in seven countries so far, something like that. Um, but the oh, UK is, is not is not on the list. The US at the and the UK probably haven't been touched yet because they're the biggest markets for it. Probably, whether whether they like it or not, the UK the UK alone is quite a big social bubble, um, and and it's why we get a lot of shit for stuff like Brexit and other things because our small island happens to create such a big problem. For so much of the world, and obviously it's that's when you history. don't lock down early enough, isn't it, Josh? Oh well, yeah. It's, it's 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 almost like we're damned to the history books, really, because the British were always big on things over the years, and our little island looks like we've done nothing but do mad things. And I think the US and the UK are sticking that way. What day is it? It's June June the eighteenth, um, yeah. two thousand twenty. Yes. What the fuck is Brexit? Mm. What is Brexit? What is oh, Brexit? You, Tell me, this, ask me last well, year about I can Brexit. Tell, I can say, well, there's no point asking you last year. Let's let's go back four years ago when we actually decided <laughs> we were going to leave. Um, I wasn't even. I don't even think I could vote. Let's, well, let's don't put, worry, because most of the people that care about it apparently didn't vote to leave anyway, by the looks of it. Anyway, let's not get onto politics. Let's, let's, we let's actually, I've got a better idea. How about we spin on the fact how they actually ended up using social media? Because I think social media is such a powerful tool. And we've seen big companies like Lush completely disappear from social media. Like, they only have a very small presence in terms of, like, the hashtag for the store, whether the store decides that when they do their own Instagram account. Something that has changed in many years is that some companies, even like Weatherspoons, completely disappear from social media, which is something that is very big on the scale of things. Yeah, and or like Trump. Compare... I heard something about Trump. Oh, yeah. About the reason, one of the bigger reasons, other than him being a giant fucking racist, is yeah. that... <laughs> Totally social media based. It was just totally social media based. Apparently, I read. Sorry for swearing. Not that sorry. (laughs) Um, So anyway, let's push on. So let's think about more facts. I like these points. Yeah. What What do you think other factors might be included then? I really like the other factors because these are things that you really wouldn't think about. Um, So how active the user is on the site, you wouldn't even think. I mean, I'm quite crap at social media. I will use it when I want to use it. I find it quite a burden actually mm. so I you're saying that, that they know when you're wasn't... opening the app then they know that when you yeah, open I... the app they're gonna get right okay phil layton has just posted and they know that you interact with him and yeah. you've commented and you've been watching his live well, streams they know because they have, they have all the analytics of the app don't they they can see how long you've spent on it how long you've spent just aimlessly scrolling your average time between when you like something mm. probably all it's sorts a la carte, of stuff. essentially isn't it mm-hmm. they're, they're like right we're gonna serve you up four posts which you they know you're gonna like so the home feed is very much customised in that direction. And we know that every third post is a sponsored post now. Yes. Oh. Near so enough, that, yeah. come, I have noticed a lot of that'll mine. Come on. That'll come on to our next section after our break. But I think yeah, the, the crucial thing is thinking like when you were talking about like how active they've been. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I think it was in the last, it might have been the last episode or the episode before where I talked about how I've turned all notifications off pretty much yes. on all social media. So I yeah. only see it if I choose to go on it. And that has mm. cut my screen time down massively. Like, oh, the amount instead of, of being pestered. Yeah. So I've gone from, I don't know, on average, maybe I was picking my phone up maybe, I don't know, 150 times a day or something. Uh, and it's dropped to like a handful. Um, and what it means is, although when I pick it up, I might hold it in my hand for longer, I mm. choose when I want my my social media hit, I suppose, if you like. Um, and it, you know, I post something on Instagram and then don't look at it for another four hours, and then maybe I drop in and I respond to any comments that people have put on, 
and that's it and that's what I do now in terms of the algorithm that might be a negative it might be a negative yeah but I do think that social media is such a negative place and with everything happening it can I mean I posted something yesterday and I think it's really important that you use social media for the right reasons now rather than just being a place for you know you just have to piss about on it's it's quite an important space now i have read a book if you guys are interested you can have a look at um notes on a nervous planet and it does talk a lot about how um social media and the internet in general has caused a lot of mental health issues throughout and it does contribute daily to the problem so i mean it is a book that i really do highly recommend it's quite philosophical quite deep but i mean really give it a go if you're not a social media fan like me i do think it contributes a lot to my mental health Mm, definitely and i think it's uh it's quite interesting isn't it how um like obviously i i work with young people a lot um and uh definitely social media pressures contribute significantly and the the feeling that they want to be liked on social media platforms and actually like the flip side is is if they're not liked how detrimental that can be to the the mental well-being of a young person or an older person but particularly when they're growing up and teenagers it can be very very detrimental something i'd like to mention actually is that as you said about picking up the phone i noticed um i've actually noticed a a, a dramatic drop in the amount of times that i pick up my phone since lockdown began and that's probably because you're on your other devices Ah, but that's the thing. It's, it's, it's looking at what I'm using them for. Um, I've actually noticed that I'm actually retrospectively changing my habits of picking up my phone, depending on what I'm doing. And that's usually it was quite sporadic. And that's probably because I'm so used to wanting to pick up my phone, even in the office at work when I was still working, not in a home working environment. And I noticed just now that I've only picked up my phone 100 times a day, which is, sounds quite a lot. But the amount of times I picked it up is just for communication on WhatsApp. I've actually picked up my phone the least amount of times for Instagram today in the whole week. But what have you done on your iPad in comparison? On my iPad, the top used app on my iPad is Edge because I've been doing work. Yeah, see, so I think there is something to be said for the fact that actually, you know, I think a recent study, I'm sure I looked at uh, an Office of National Statistics study, said something like 80% of people fuck off to the toilet to sit on social media at work yeah all accounts of that now, one yeah that I'm, is I'm that, that, that tells you yeah because well basically because people just don't want to do any work it's not they don't want to do any work but it's just the fact they want to break from work so it's anything now my what i do yeah well what i do actually is because i don't obviously i can't walk around on my phone but what i tend to do is i tend to walk around the building and as i walk around the building i just have a chat to anyone that's around and I, so I go from one person then to another person to another person and I think that's everyone just does work avoidance to a certain extent mm-hmm. um, I just think that sometimes you know I, the fact that I used to know a, a lad uh, years ago he worked in a car dealership as a mechanic uh, mm-hmm. and it was a running joke amongst him and all his mates about the fact that uh, he'd go and have an hour long poo and it was he wasn't having a poo but what he was doing was he was going to the loo locking himself in and sitting reading the paper for an hour oh, just so everyone no. just so everyone could just like leave him alone and he could have his his little break to himself yeah. well, obviously like that is bad really but it's that was his escape from work life if you like so i think social media is like that for some people it's a bit of an escape from the monotony mm. of perhaps working life I mean, if, 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 there's, if there's something I have to say about the fact of social media is that like 
as, as Billy put it quite well at the start, we love to hate it. We like to hate it because there, there are times when you just don't want to be on a social media network. And that's probably because you're trying to avoid somebody. And then there are times that you, it's, it's almost like the effect of when you're ill, you know how bad you feel. But when you're not ill, you're like, how was I feeling that bad? Like you just can't account for, you can't account yourself in different circumstances as, as well as you think. Definitely. In the book as well, it does mention that when they made the internet, and when they made well so when social media came out of the internet this mm. was not the intention addiction no. was not the intention that was not the point and they can't believe what they've done yeah well the whole the whole purpose of the internet initially was just for data sharing amongst universities that was the entirety yeah. of the internet when it first started educational up. and military usage yeah and it was that was all it was and then obviously it's grown and grown and grown and the biggest thing i think isn't it is the fact that our internet speeds have got quicker yes. So what that's meant is we've been able to do more on a connection than we've ever done before. And if, like, if we didn't have nationwide broadband mm. during a, a, you know, a pandemic situation where people are working from home, imagine how different life would be if this mm. was 25 years ago when everyone was on dial-up internet. It would have been and uh, how dramatically terrible. different. I know. think the country well, would have been, been in tatters. Well, there would have been no video calling. Oh no, you know no. nothing like that, and it would have been, you know, you, your remote learning for education would have been completely. It's different. crazy because so Teams media's... has only been around for really about a year or two, in entirety. Yeah, but they've but they've had the technologies um, get to that Microsoft, point. Yeah, yeah, they've had Microsoft Classroom, and they've had a lot of other stuff that's that's run along before that. So they have had stuff. Mm. Um, it's just that it, they rebrand, don't they, and call the to- the tools different things mm. and integrate things that they. It's acquired. weird because I remember my college. Um, going for a new focus of how to handle things. And I think Blackboard, uh, which we use, a uh, virtual learning environment, or VLE, as most colleges and universities call it, um, is now becoming more focused around a more unique system overall. And Teams does provide that. And we did find Teams at first to seem seemingly quite cumbersome, but it actually links in pretty nicely with the whole thing that we want to do. They're doing they're doing um, a lot of improvements. So I know for some people that are listening to this, they're probably thinking, oh, f- just shut up about remote learning. It's, we're not interested. But actually, it is an interesting topic in itself because mm. uh, Microsoft have, have, de- have developed the, the Teams uh, platform at a rate that I don't think I've ever seen. Oh, no, they've had to developed. adapt a big time. Yeah, it's adapted massively over the over the pandemic situation to the point where even things that you wouldn't necessarily think about. So from a business perspective, uh, when you join a meeting, you might have a lobby and that's fine. And then you al- allow people into a meeting. Uh, but like from a teaching point of view, when I end the meeting, I need to be able to end the meeting for everyone so that the kids yes. can't remain chatting in the in a in a group chat and stuff like that. That's kind of important as you go through. Um, and other things like, um, you know, obviously in Zoom, you can have a lot of people on the screen all at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can have like 50 people or something. Yeah. Um, in Teams, you could only ever, originally you could only have four and then they've made it nine. Well, by the end of this month, you should be able to have a seven by seven, so a 49 student room wow. visible. Now that was not possible three months ago and they've done all sorts of other things to do with like assignments and stuff like that so it's become the social platforms yeah well the social platforms are just developing you know the tools that we're relying on to remote work and probably will rely on to remote work for perhaps the next six months eight Mm. months maybe longer who knows um it's quite telling yeah and i think it's it's uh what's amazing uh to a certain extent uh and I, i mentioned this in our staff meeting that we had the other day it's been fantastic CPD for everyone. The, the, mm. the situation is awful. However, people have had 
to grip they've had to get to grips with the technology they haven't had mm. a thing of going i can't do it i can't do it i just find it so hard it's if they don't do it they're disadvantaged the, the thing that i found in my in, in my college that i work at is that people are generally starting to smile about how much you can get done with teams and office 365 as a general thing and something else, uh, talking about your college and stuff, you'll like this as well, because one of the features that they're doing is, let's say I have a class of 30 kids, and mm. if I want a small group of kids to be able to work together at the minute, it's impossible. They'd have to set up their own individual meeting, go to that, and then rejoin oh, like my break, meeting. Breakout it's rooms, they're doing breakout rooms. That's what they're actually going to do there. It's integrated into Teams from about um, autumn. So I'll be able to say, those 10, those 10 people, if, if it was a workplace, those 10 people, you go and work on this, and then I can call them all back into the room at my choosing. So that's, that's going to be amazing. Like That's going to revolutionise the way that you can teach remotely mm. and the way that you can communicate with it's peers funny, remotely. But um, Blackboard has their own version, which is called Blackboard Collaborate. They've been working on that as part of their roadmap for the last 12 months, and that is now a feature, and it works pretty well. So... I mean, it's a very niche product that is because it's more focused on education. Whereas with teams, it's based on everyone from from people it's like business, your, isn't your, it? Your, 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 your business, the business down the roads that's running their own IT little business, or to a college, or even to somewhere like the government. I don't know if the government use Teams, but I, I know they use Zoom. So yeah, they use Zoom. I mean, Zoom's military grade security on their pro level stuff. Well, uh, it's you know, it's, no, it definitely is. <laughs> well, no, it, it always has been on their pro level stuff where you buy it. But obviously, mm. the the free one that they just branched out to everyone, we know had a few little security flaws. But oh, ultimately. Gosh, yeah. um, Microsoft is not without its flaws, but it's you know, it's just that thing, isn't it, that everyone adapted so quickly to using these platforms. Anyway, so let's do the last couple of points before we take a break. I think so, mm. Bill. I was else? I was going to I was just going to mention that the, the the way we can kind of apply that is that social media networks are adapting even quicker now as well. I mean, like Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, um, Facebook have now just introduced Messenger Rooms, which is part of their their move into integrating the free social media networks, the WhatsApp. Instagram and Facebook into one. I've noticed as well, like obviously with the social media aspect, um, obviously there, there was a big push for Facebook portal and you literally yes. couldn't get hold of Facebook portal anywhere. Mm. Like it was sold out everywhere. And actually I really like the idea of the fact that it integrates yes. with WhatsApp. So I yes. have considered getting the one that plugs into your telly because then I could have a WhatsApp video call with like family and they could mm. have one and we could see everyone. It zooms in automatically and uses machine learning to work out who's talking and all that it's stuff. It's very good for the sort of techno... Uh, you know, not, not very capable techno people. Technophobes, like yeah. The technophobes, that's the word I was looking for. So, yeah, I mean, in general, the conversation that we just had was kind of trying to lead into that, that social media and the productive and office side of things are all on the same trajectory right now. So don't don't tap out of there or, you know, leave the podcast. We're not trying to make you bored. It's all like as part of the pointers. I mean, John wouldn't allow it if we are talking for that long about it. There's a, there's a result to that point. So, uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to go to a break, right? Uh, I think Billy had a couple more points, didn't she, about possibly what the um, what would make a difference to the algorithm before we go okay. to a break? Sure. Yeah, just a few last things. Um, how did I say how long have users been on the site? So how long they've actually had their profile? Yeah, so that's the, that's one as well, which is quite um, something you wouldn't really think of. And um, does use a previous a previous content typically attract engagement such as comments likes and shares um which is kind of self-explanatory and um does the user use it blah, 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 blah. does the user engage with others content so just being you know overall i do have a few photographers that comment on my stuff and i'm like you know they get so much feedback on their stuff um so yes other than that 
there all the important points i mean i hope you learned a bit more about um the algorithm itself uh, but we're just going to lead on to a short break but we'll be back with you in just a minute this episode is sponsored by paradise co for t-shirts and beanie hats visit paradiseco.uk and use the promo code gts2020 to get 10 percent off Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of the latest episode of the Get Shot podcast. Uh, so, Billy, where are we going next? Um, so, we're going to talk about pay promotion next. Um, I d- it means, like, have you done any paid promotion on any of your... Uh, you can do it on Facebook, you can do it on Instagram, anything like that. Um, have you two got any experience in it? Or I, I have paid uh, previously. Uh, I've done it on Facebook and Instagram, actually, which they link in together anyway, really. Um, yes, yeah. So I have done it. Um, interestingly, it's it has varying results. I find um, it's not that expensive. I don't think for the reach that you get, um, but I do think uh, you can struggle to target the right people. Uh, so I did it when I was trying to um, when I was trying to sort of well, I suppose when I was trying to build uh, a bit more of a platform for me to do like wedding photography and stuff a while back a few years ago um and the platform itself i don't think has changed much since then but obviously you pick out like your gender your age range mm-hmm. um locations that sort mm-hmm. of stuff um and potential like key key terms that you want people to be picked up for but um i wasn't overly impressed by the results maybe i didn't spend enough i don't know but I did it on Facebook and Instagram, and it was okay. I, think I got good it's reach. Very hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. I, think I got it's good reach on that miss. post, but um, but it wasn't it it wasn't sort of great. I mean, Instagram generally do your first five pound for free anyway. I think, mm. um, which I think is always worth the try, you know. And I yeah. think it always, unfortunately for Instagram, I do think they blag it a bit. Yeah. Um, with the five pound i think they i think they put more effort in you know um and you do have the option for an automatic um audience or just an audience that you want to actually target yourself to so everyone has like a target audience everyone has someone that they they know they want to reach mm. um so i don't use automatic i've done this quite a lot so i've done it a lot on bfhuk unfortunately it's very much an ego thing i think so every time i've done it i've got a, a solid amount of likes um not followers like i've done a solid amount of likes on the post that's what i found. I think it's just a bit of an ego yeah, thing i found that you got a lot of interaction on that post but not that you didn't get any um any long-term gain no yeah it was just a short-term ego boosting thing mm. um josh is there a reason that you haven't done any pay promotions or have um, you done any pay promotions? so i was gonna say i haven't when technically i sort of subtly have and i'll explain why so i used to be uh, i used to be the owner and the runner of a page called london enthusiast uh london underscore enthusiast for those who may have known about it it's part of the reason where i've gain my knowledge my, my following on instagram and spitballed onto my own things etc but um we we did a paid promotion um i say paid promotion we did a, a an ad a sponsorship deal with huawei uh two years ago and the the deal was entailing uh for those who don't know uh huawei is very focused on photography competitions and uh, pushing their camera uh usage on their phones and trying to get people to buy their phones like the p uh, the p30 pro I think it was the P20 Pro at the time. Oh, this um, is when they were doing the... Was this the AI thing? Yes. Um, and uh, London Enthusiast uh, was was actually emailed to become part of this sort of like push because our page almost was sort of right for that. 
where we kind of pushed for people who were in our community to post, even if it wasn't a hundred percent like a Huawei phone, it could be uh, your own cameras as well. Like, but they were trying to like push the sort of like, well, look how good AI is now on our phones, for example. And uh, what what happened was that we did a few uh, we did a few of those postings for about four weeks. And then the final one that we posted uh, was coincided with uh, our account would have been boosted. Uh, so we, when we posted one of the posts, it was boosted by Huawei with our permission, obviously, through Facebook's uh, pages system and through their competition page on their, their UK Huawei page on Facebook. Because obviously that's how all the promotions tend to work about boosting. Uh, so our post was boosted to a new audience for, I think, about 24 to 72 hours. I'm not 100% on that because obviously we were working with, not directly with Huawei. As most people know, obviously, there's an ad agency that you work with. Uh, I think we might have been working with the GOAT agency. A lot of people know who they are nowadays. They've been involved with the KSI Logan Paul fights and they're all their uh, publicity for that. Uh, so their agency was obviously looking after the, the numbers, the contracts and that sort of thing to keep it quite brief. But what we were involved in was obviously allowing our account to be coincided with that. So that was my, you could say mine and my team at the time uh, when I run the page, our first taste and a foray into boosting a, a content with the money involved obviously they were paying for the promotion um and that actually was quite successful for us surprisingly i think we did gain about seven thousand followers from that which i still think is quite shocking but it makes me think it's like the cpm thing with youtube it depends what cpm you've got and how you can boost it and while we have obviously a really big presence that's the thing isn't it is that in fact it wasn't yeah. your account boosted in terms of it, it no. was them boosting your content so they it was had a much in the bigger following. Yeah. yeah, and their account had a bigger standing, perhaps within the social media platform. Obviously, yeah. so mm. I say just just in case people are worried about this, I should probably say it was there wasn't a clause or like an NDA I had to sign, so I can talk about this. So don't worry if you think I'm giving away trade secrets. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's fine anyway because I do remember that um, thing because Igers Birmingham did the same ah, thing. What you okay. had to do is you had to hashtag your um, you had to hashtag your photos, and the uh, if you hashtag your photos with something like uh. I don't know Huawei what it was. AI so like, or something, um, yeah. Huawei rate my photo or something. Yes, that was it. So then what it would do is it would throw it would throw back the the photo to you with um uh to your email address with your uh with like an AI score. Mm. So it would say like uh Huawei AI has rated this eighty nine out of a hundred. Um, and it was interesting to see what the machine learning and the AI thought made a good photo. Mm. So it wasn't always photos that looked aesthetically pleasing, That's but it was cool. trying to learn. It was from very it. good. Obviously, they were gaining data from it as well because they were working out, look, looking at what these photos are rated at, and then seeing, you know, did people like them as mm. much? So they, they, there's a lot of clever learning going on mm. um, in the in the background, no doubt as well. So that's interesting. So yeah, and. Um... Uh, last February, we didn't. It wasn't a full-on boosting post because they, it was uh, free that did it themselves. But um, the last thing that I was involved with when the page was under my control still, and um, obviously since I started, it was my ownership. Uh, was we did a deal which uh, wasn't one hundred percent with Samsung, but we uh, I went to the S ten launch uh, in Tobacco Dock in London last February, uh, February twenty nineteen uh, for reference, and it was uh, and obviously the event to launch the S ten. Uh, and the the foray of those phones and obviously we got to see the fold in that same instance we didn't get to see it up close but we were taking photos of the phones in the back room afterwards the, after the press conference had finished and uh one of the things that we was working on with that is how to campaign it 
and obviously as as we was already kind of like pushing people's posts as a post page and obviously as you know john you know understanding what things uh are going to be post worthy whether you like the post or not like obviously you have to push that sort of um focus and obviously you, you everyone has a focus on what demographic of people are going to see someone's got a thousand followers or someone's got ten thousand followers and whether they appreciate that post and the way that samsung uh was presenting their room and the way that free uk that we was working with was working on it um i actually would say if i had the opportunity to work again with them uh on a, a personal capacity i would do it again because i think free is one of those uh companies that instagram is entwined well with they're very good at social media presence they're very good at commenting back to people and these boosted posts that they did they posted one of ours on there and we actually gained about ten thousand followers from that so you see the 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 big influence of a big company and someone such as billy in her bedroom like setting up a campaign after she's done a shoot and maybe to boost a few posts and john obviously you like you know just trying it to see if it works and obviously the same with you but I, trying it to see I, I think the the interesting thing is as well is when you when you want to set up a sponsored post if you like like a a, a pay for post you have to post mm. it with the caption that you know is going to go with the sponsored post as well like you do need exactly. to remember definitely because if, if you just promote a post that you've already posted it, it's not going to work because you obviously like we oh, said yeah. earlier you want the call to action so you want people to say like do you want to do a photo shoot in birmingham city center contact me for competitive mm. rates or for a free photo shoot or whatever it might be because actually those are the things that people want to see they don't want to see the i had a lovely time doing a photo shoot with xyz and it was lovely <laughs> well, and the weather what, was that's, great that's the thing that's what free does with their marketing they, they 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 almost sort of like project a question on you that you didn't think you wanted to answer and that's what yeah. makes their posting stands out. There's a lot of there's a lot of companies that I found that are quite good at this now. So three obviously do have like they have the banter, if you like, on their like their Twitter and stuff like yeah. that. Which is they're a very young focused yeah. network. Um and obviously they've then developed like they've developed like Smarty and there's like Voxy and there's all these other networks. And then the same with a lot of other platforms. So for example, like Formula One is a good example of this, which mm. traditionally has shunned social media because Bernie Eccleston, who used to own them, for no one that knows about social media, is 89, 90 or whatever he is. Uh, he saw no future in social media, said it was a pointless platform, it was a waste of time, we're not doing it, we're not going to stream our, our races, we're not going to do anything like that. And then eventually when he left, um, Liberty Media, who took over, hence the name Media, they wholeheartedly wanted to go into social media and to develop the streaming platforms and the social side of things and developing all that social network having a Twitter presence that works, having Instagram. So Instagram, I regularly see things where it's like top 10 crashes of all time, top 10 worst pit stops, mm. and they've gone through the back catalogue of stuff and they put stuff on. And actually other other platforms within the racing community do an even better job at this. So like Formula E, which is obviously a new platform, mm. very, uh, very much a different demographic, I would say, to Formula One because for the most part, people look at it because it's new cars, it's energy efficient, it's using it's, it's the, future. the future of the of the car that we're going to use i like both but for different reasons but their social media platform like their team their social media and marketing team at formula e are so good at engaging with people on sponsored posts and things that appear and they're like somebody will mm -hmm. say like who has the best cars and then they'll reply and go like we do you know like all this sort of stuff and it's just nice because it obviously they follow up on those sponsored posts and stuff exactly that makes a difference the engagement on that on that stuff makes an even bigger difference to people mm. then convert into maybe like a follow or something mm. like that i'd argue yeah. that something to do with the fact of like the racing and stuff and if you're going into like the full kind of car thing um the 
the Top Gear original team, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May, they set up Drive Tribe. And people don't even realise that that is now in its own right a decent social media network. And you wouldn't have thought that they would be able to do something so mature like that because the, the audience behind it is actually pretty good. Like, I don't really follow cars in the way that people respect it like that. Same reason that I don't really follow sports in that way. But I respect the fact that their their focus on that is pretty good. Um, and the fact that they've been able to cope with the lockdown as well, keeping their presence known, even while we were still waiting for the next Grand Tour foray at the moment with the Amazon Prime show, obviously. So the drive tribe has been able to keep going for that. Yeah, you got the app there on your phone. Yeah, definitely. They've obviously converted you. Yeah, well, I just, and I also love the fact, again, they have sort of the banter where, you know, mm. for example, if we're talking about advertising, like, you know, they've got Snoop Dogg advertising Just Eat in their app. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they've also got, uh, they've got all manner of other things. So, for example, one of the bits that you sometimes see is they have um, anybody that has got, um, that has ever seen like the uh, aubergine emoji. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> it'll say like, you know, it'll say something like, sick of seeing ads, click here to remove them. And it's that banter, isn't it, of just going, you know, and if you've watched anything like James May in, in Japan, it, and it, the one of the yes. adverts says like, Hey Bim uh, and it's because that links <laughs> in with something that people would recognise on their platform. And I like it's Josh understanding said, you know, your demographic. A lot of people perhaps don't realise, you know, they know they know obviously that it's the old top gear hosts that are hosting this social media platform, but it is actually a social media platform in its own right because what they've yeah. done is they've created a demographic where you can communicate with owners of the same car as you and mm. you can communicate with people who have a passion for various makes of car and stuff like that i'd, so, I'd argue it's, it's a better version of what top gear were trying to do with their magazine website for many years uh that's yeah, but it's because they've struggled. had the, they've had the freedom haven't they to to change and do what they want. And what's interesting is, obviously, they do things like uh, they now do Food Tribe, yeah, which is all about food. And so they've branched off. So they've done drive. The YouTube foray is and... really good. Yeah, it's really really good. So, but we've gone a little bit off topic there, Bill. But, really... but the overall outlay we're saying here is that it shows that a lot of companies are now uh, embracing social media, but they're not embracing it just on the hopes of something happening, but the sort of paid approach. Um, and all these different elements, as you say, like even the ads in the app, like just simple things like that is is keeping people locked in. And that's something that you want to get out of the pay thing. Like even though we're only trying it maybe as, as individuals and not as a company, we hope that that provides something. So Billy, do you want to go on to your next point, which is the bit about uh, who your followers are? And Yes, so uh, followers obviously are quite important. I mean, we have pointed out on one of the other podcasts that mine is mainly um, photographers following me and that's why I have the problem picking up, you know, uh, fashion accounts and stuff like that. Um, But obviously followers are a really big thing um, with your audience, you know. Uh, They are your audience. So you're only going to reach the people that you follow um, unless you do hashtags and then even then how many people actually go on to that profile carry on um have you ever i don't know how much you know about people buying followers yeah it's yeah. it's uh it's interesting because i do know i know some people that have done that and i genuinely do and i know some people that bought it and it's tanked their engagement now um of like course genuinely. it's like random bots well it's they're not yeah. they're... i guess what you're looking is about retention rate yeah, right and I, I think where the click the click through is meaningful. yeah i mean the bots sort of buying things you can always tell a bot because their profile picture and their first post are the same 
and they always give the most crappy comments that are clearly just bottish, oh, you know. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, carbon copy. So, you know, I hate be... when you put up a poll or something. Yeah, and you get yeah. No, I don't suffer with that too much. To be fair, I know a lot of people do. It's yeah. very often. But I, think... I get that quite a lot. Uh, it, a lot of it will depend on whether the bots follow your account. I suppose that's that's going to be the thing in it. It's I go through and I just block. Yeah, like I go through and block and block and block and block. And if it's obvious because you can look at them and you can say, well, actually, when you're looking at it, there's six thousand. They're following six thousand accounts, but they've only got four followers. What's all that about? You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like it's obvious. To, yeah, it's obvious. It's good that you yeah. can um, get people to unfollow you now. That there's an option to be able to have someone unfollow. Yeah, removing their followership. Yeah, I, I always say like, once I make it to a goal, maybe I'll clear it out. I never do. It probably would help mm. if I did. Um, but I think that, you know... I took it a lot more seriously recently. Yeah. But having a... I, I have 50 followers randomly follow me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have to be careful of it. I do get... You have to just make sure it's coming from the right place, I suppose. Um, but one of the... Fi- I was panicking. I was like, quick, get, the, get yeah. rid of them quick as I can. <laughs> At least you've got them on that scroll bit as well, so you can just go on them and get rid of them, so you don't have to look for them. But um, obviously, it's, it's without a doubt, you know, having a large follower count, um, that is organic as well it, it increases the chances of you having more organic people as as well you know um you, I, I don't know how these big big accounts started um i don't know you know like kylie jenner and stuff yeah they started though because this is the thing because we i've talked about this with a few people a lot of people so there's one of the one of the women that i do uh, a feature page with she's got thirteen thousand followers she gained over ten thousand of those pre-2014 or something like in the first three or four years of instagram it grew quick like people did get huge amounts of following and she's only gone up in the last four years i think it is or three years she's only gone up about a thousand people so it just shows you that the the rate growth um and you look at we've talked about this with bartley i think before as well where um you know tom bartley we've talked about the fact he's got thirteen thousand odd followers on his bartley.photo instagram page and a lot of them are lurkers. They're people that don't engage in his content very much, or they occasionally like it and do nothing else. And it doesn't mean that you get good engagement if you have large groups of followers. It's more, nefar- more nefarious, isn't and it? And the really? thing is, is most people that would want to work with you as a brand, they're not going to want to look at the number of followers and things like that. They're surely going to look at the insights. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at what do people actually do? Do people engage in this content? Because if they don't, we're not interested. Oh, yeah, because you look at the different companies that, like NordVPN and Audible and all these ones who work with people, even if they've only got like yeah. 50,000. And it kind of also links into the fact that Nintendo tend to want to work with with uh, follower bases of, of different people on YouTube with like 50 to 100K. Like they'll send them to E3 or they'll give them a new, a new game code. But when you get to a certain point where you're too big, they kind of cut you off, and like I think I understand why now. Like, there's a few people in the community that have been dropped recently. Because there's a good, there's a good, good reason for it, really. Like, if you think about, it, like, I do a few YouTube videos and stuff like that, and my follower or subscription rate has gone up quite a lot in the last six months or so. But the difference is, is all those people are engaging in the content. I'm getting a lot of comments, a lot of likes, a lot of feedback, and a lot of comments where they comment, I comment, and they comment back. So. Clearly, it's building up that that watch that uh, sort of listenership, if you like. Um, It does make a difference because what you don't want is you don't want just like you say, thousands and thousands of bots. And you can go on like if you googled now, buy ten thousand followers, probably cost you twenty quid. You can do, and they would start arriving within the hour. You know, you can do it, but unfortunately, it would destroy your. 
I think there's a good example of the fact that like we don't we don't really pay much attention to how many people are following us on our Get the Shot podcast Instagram, and we we generally use it as a signpost in the account. And whether we socialise with the people in the comments or not, we don't really expect that. We kind of expect at the moment majority of the people that are listening to the podcast whether we like it or not are very much friends with us and obviously uh, given the pandemic right now we've already had conversations about this we know that our engagement rate and our listenership has gone down and we've obviously had to put that into question about whether we'll go to a monthly listening uh, platform like where we don't post for two weeks every two weeks post for a month for a little bit we're working that out as we speak right now so as we're doing this episode we are kind of understanding where we need to change uh, as a whole and that is important for your followership how you change and how you reflect that obviously like it's the same with youtube right youtube uh you, you, if you change your followership you go from being a i don't know let's say you go from being a mario centric nintendo centric channel to do microsoft and xbox uh, sorry yeah microsoft xbox and sony i guess with the playstation and then people are like oh i didn't subscribe for this i'm gonna disappear and they're gonna disappear yeah in exactly the same way that and i mentioned this before i didn't know that the fact that i used to do a lot of landscape and family stuff and then i started doing portraits and there were probably quite a few people that went i don't want to see that and yeah. i lost quite a lot of followers and then i've gained lots of followers from portrait sides of stuff and then with that i've then gone to the to the side where then some of my landscapey people um when I go back to posting landscapes, they're engaging, but the portrait people have disappeared. So people stay for what they want to see. So yeah, yeah I think followers, yeah, you, your account has interests, and we'll come on to that a little bit later in the after. I'd like to but... think that the majority of the people that will come through to my account at the moment, whether they're liking my content or they're viewing my stories, I sort of treat stories and my posts as two separate, uh, two separate whole engagement rate things i would like it if i could split the two up a little bit better because i feel like people might come to my page for certain things that i post on my story and certain things i post on my main wall essentially i think it's the fact that the stories just disappear though so even if you put something up yeah but after 24 hours nobody would ever see it so unless you highlight yeah. it but then again it depends if you have people that check stories your are really effective i think i mean i was listening yeah. to a podcast the other day and they were talking about if you you know stories are not only really important that probably for the algorithm to let you know that you are using it that you mm. are on it um but also it's the first place that you go i am more inclined now to press on stories and let them go than i am Me to I scroll am, yeah. so do you know what i like about stories i like i like the fact that when you do stories you tap on the first one next to your name and then you just tap 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 and just, just go, go through, through them think, yeah yeah it's super yeah. quick like it's faster than scrolling it's it's a bit like the uh, the youtube recommended isn't it it's like a rabbit hole you can end up going down for a bit oh yeah well it's like reddit i i have found myself on there for about five minutes at some points in the past it's easily done but i like the fact and obviously they've promoted more sponsored posts within stories now i've noticed that there's definitely a lot more of that sort of stuff going on but mm. i do think that it's it is it's important to use all the tools that the platform has mm. available to you as you go through and that will mm. kind of help um in terms of as you go through um, as the example uh, i literally just opened instagram just to see just to test it as we're talking about it um it's 57 minutes ago bartley post and it's top post so it's 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 definitely ticking all the boxes of what we're talking about here and even potentially like it knows what you're going to look at next like whereas we heard google listens to what you say 
and then it gives you an advertisement for SD cards or something, right? Well, yeah, and it, <laughs> it's quite scary. Tracking cookies and stuff that. like that, and obviously it's all that sort of that element of they. It's very clever, but very for. nefarious at the same yeah, time. So all your adverts come up to relevant stuff that you've just searched for. So if you search for lawnmowers, all your adverts are going to be for yeah, lawnmowers. But you so... talk about it, and then and then it's like oh, I spoke it about... is quite weird. Like really random stuff that you haven't Googled. Yeah, but then you might have even inadvertently set off your Google Assistant or your Amazon Echo or anything True. like that. So No, she's just nosy, mate. She's just My Google nosy. Home. I, I actually that. did ask it um about time zones a few a few hours ago and it's for some reason I got two advertisements about clocks. Ah, uh, did it say come back in a couple of hours, did it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Nice landing page joke there, yeah. <laughs> Facebook's the worst for it, you know. I'll go on Facebook and it'll be like weird. Like if if I'm on Facebook talking about something, I'll go on it five minutes later and it'll be there. Mm. Yeah, it's, it creeps me out. Facebook needs to stop listening mm. to my life. I think you're probably the what the one percent out of the podcast uh, team here that actually uses Facebook's main. Feed I do. These days. I, do I don't like use Facebook. it. It's all, um though. very my fa- a lot of my family are on there, so it's not like. Yeah, my mom has become the main user of Facebook in the house probably now. I don't. Um, see, my mom is on Facebook, is a good example. You know, she's in her 60s. Uh, yeah. I, I don't use Facebook. Um, and I have to be honest, I haven't used it for nearly 18 months now. And I can honestly say that I have not missed it one iota. So, so negative. If it's me. such a negative space, you have to avoid it. I replaced it with Twitter, which might, might, some people might say is a bit more toxic, but with Twitter, you feel a bit more preference of what you're looking for. Yeah, and Twitter's very current as well, isn't it, generally? I do feel like I get a lot of my news now from Twitter. Well, I think a lot of people get their news from social media. That is a problem, but that's a whole other episode. Um, oh, yes. Okay, so obviously, Billy, you've talked about the fact that you use targeted sponsorship posts and stuff like that, so you have talked about the mm-hmm. fact that that's the way that you prefer, rather than the automated... Have system you prefer the the targeted approach um shall we take a quick break and then um we'll come back for our final part do you think yes yeah yeah see you shortly fancy your one minute moment on the get the shot podcast it's easy to send us a voice message just visit anchor.fm forward slash get the shot Hello and welcome back to the final part of episode 24. Um, we're going to dash on with a bit of our target audiences. Uh, Josh, did you want to go first? Yeah, so uh, we kind of decided uh, when we was obviously finishing this episode and Billy obviously wanted input on something that was a bit more personalised. So yeah. he obviously asked us to look at our target audience and stuff. And it's something that I've not fully done for a while and maybe the word i'm looking for is i've not been invested in 100 percent for a while that's maybe yeah. just because you know our current situation is that we've changed our habits of how we look at things i used to probably look at insights a lot more recent than now um but my outset looks to be here something that will probably be quite consistent with john as well uh maybe not so much for billy but we can have a bit of an answer for this really because everyone sure understands it at the moment yeah we spoke about it before the engagement so rate this is your target audience yeah but so uh engagement rate is hovering uh just underneath nine percent at 8.75 uh my average likes is 126 um and my target audience uh is still predominantly um both men and women but it's aimed more so at men um and the age range is quite interesting actually it's around the 18 to 24 and the 25 to 34 so in a way that's interesting that you've got men 
yeah so i've got i've got two well i mean it's, it's it makes sort of sense because i take photos of uh um you know obviously women photographers uh, models rather than male photographer uh male yeah. models sorry couldn't get my tongue on you right there um, and, and equally most of the photographers are blokes yes yes so you socialize with male photographers mm. i do tend to try and socialize around a lot of female photographers and that's maybe because i am good friends with quite a lot of female females in general um billy being one of them obviously yeah but if you think about the amount of people but my if, general if, yeah yeah if you think about the amount of people that a networking event you go to and out of 30 people 28 of them are men mm. i i guess i guess that is that is a, obviously a, a, quite a bigger picture, obviously, that we shouldn't really delve into now because obviously we're ending the episode very soon. Um, I, I, honestly, I honestly think um, the, the age, go back to the age thing, uh, 18 to 24 and 25 to 34, is because of the types of people that I've interacted with um, in the last year or two. It used to be very much 18 to 24, but since uh, the last few months, I've been going to a lot of events. Uh, there tends to be a bit of an upper echelon of ages. Uh, so those two now become almost between the two. Like John. Well, that's the thing. You say, you say that, John, and I say that in a very kind way. Um, oh, John. I, 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 <laughs> he's, he's basically putting his fingers you know up what's us. really, really disappointed is I'm, I'm not even in that age bracket now. I'm not in so the So why did you get offended? So why did you get offended? But I'm even more offended. <laughs> and hey, I thought I was being quite professional, saying the upper echelon. You know, I was trying to be quite nice. <laughs> no, the older people. But I mean, even 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 <laughs> if Johnny's out, just about out of that age range, in it, it it tells quite a big picture that I'm able to grab a very young and uh, slightly older demographic. And for me, actually, that makes me feel uh, a lot more confident about the fact that I could keep pushing for the woman, women's side to be more down the middle. Uh, London Fusiest, when I was running it, actually was very much close to being fifty to fifty-one percent male and female. So that was really good. Uh, if I could do it there, that's a really good split. It was really surprising. We get that on Iger's Black Country, so we get a fifty-fifty split. So I think anything that's featured in terms of places tend to be a fifty-fifty split. It does tend to be that way. I mean, as far as I as I remember, the Portrait Mission hovers around about the same statistics as well. Uh, so that kind of backs up what you're saying about pages. Um, our audience be being around the sort of early early teens to late teens and onwards to your 30s and 40s i mean the, the i'm just looking here just just for cl- clarity reference yeah 18 to 24 is actually now been overtaken by the 24 to 34 for my app age but we do have going into the 50s 60s as well but anyway back to my point go on go on i was going to say i think that part of that about the the 18 to 24 being overtaken by the 25 to 34 i think that's that's arguably as well about the whole platform yes. is like that i don't think i don't think it's a particularly young person platform. not as much as it used to and be one no. other thing and yeah one other thing that i would say has made a big difference is if i speak to a lot of the kids that i teach at school they sign up with a fake uh, age yeah so they don't and they don't bother going in and changing it often so what happens is when they signed up when they were 13 and they put that they were 19 mm. now they're coming up as 35 <laughs> year olds when actually they're 23 aren't they or whatever, i guess it really you know, depends so. it depends if, if you end up staying on instagram for a longer period of time you probably will go and change it at some point but obviously that might skew it grows with you as well hmm. like i think i've had like i'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a long shot and say it's, i've had about like three four years you hmm. know so it does grow with you, which puts me into 
No, it doesn't put me into another band. I'm not that old, but I thought it put me into another age well, band. I mean, the best example for me is that I'm about to turn 25 in a few, in a, literally a, about a month's time, just a bit underneath a month's time. You mean old? You mean you're going to turn old? <laughs> but but what? But, but but the basic I'm saying is as you, as you just said, Billy. Like I, I will go. I will shit into another age pattern, and that has a big difference on what I might see on Instagram. Depending, you never know. Social media really does pick up on that as a big deal. Um, so. That also, you like the target audience that it's put up. Do you, are you like confident of is that what you wanted? Like, if you I'm, were to think I'm, about your ideal, honestly, for me, uh, I like the fact that two age brackets or age bands, whichever terminology you want to use, um, are almost if not the same because it means that I've been able to uh, my progressiveness of the work I've been doing and the short period of time I've been focused on this new page because I switched my pages around, as I said in the previous episode a few years ago. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually touching on what I hoped was going to happen was able to I was able to go from this set of people to this set of people and it didn't matter what age they was they were still engaged in my work and it wasn't an age thing so the fact that I've been able to grab the lower end 18 year olds up to 24 and etc shows that it's not just about focusing on one age group it can be two or three that can intertwine and overlap as well because you, you can see that in a lot of businesses that change their aspects. Like Maybe a good example would be, during this lockdown, I believe that Smith's Toy Shop as a company have now been able to grab people who want an Xbox or a Nintendo Switch who might not be in the, you know, the 15, 18 and upwards kind of age group. Yeah, it's they're not just it's not just parents trying to find toys for their kids anymore. It's basically because exactly. stock was so limited of a lot of things. All of a sudden, people were shopping at shops they wouldn't normally have even considered um, as they go through. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I think that's that also kind of leans into general speak. Like for, when we're saying about LinkedIn, we don't me, me and you, John, have got LinkedIn's, but we don't generally te- tend to use them as often. We're not technically the people that would use it, probably so, because we're in a, in a job circumstance where that is just like adding people. We're not corporate. We try to we try to use it to help us like sort of understand outside of our normal social bubble as a professional bubble. Um, but I guess that kind of leads into where the interest of my audience come from. And actually, I'm very happy about this again. Uh, photography is coming out as top, of course, um, in the, uh, the early 80%, 82.77%. Art um, and design comes up the rear, surprisingly. And that might be because of maybe what I share on my story. Um, maybe my artistic changes in my work. I don't know. I'm not going to go too de- deep into that. But then travel and tourism... I would be surprised if that was not one of them because people do like to see when I have posted, I've gone to London beyond the scenes with shooting with someone in Nottingham and just those things. <laughs> I mean, not the rear. <laughs> this is the problem with having a group chat while we're also recording. Um, it causes some innuendos and banter to happen. But yeah, as you get, as you gather um, something important about that interest is that they are all interlining with stuff that i would like to project to my audiences so i know that even though my retention rate or maybe as as it's known as the engagement rate isn't great but it's great because it people are coming to me not because they're just seeing me happen they might come to my page knowing that i've got new content so i'm keeping people coming back and not just having them look at one thing on my page and then leaving me you know, I, as you, as we've said, we, you want to keep your followership uh, real. You don't, re- you don't, you know, one needs tens of millions of followers when you want to focus on those sorts of people and actually 
I'll actually mention PewDiePie recently has started his join membership thing on his page on, on YouTube. And he interacts with those people more than he does with his hundreds of millions of followers now. So you have to kind of see the sort of like understanding of making those niche communities and those things work. Well, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same, isn't it? How a lot of content creators go down Patreon exactly. routes and stuff like that, where they, they provide the, more the fan bases. experiences. Yeah. yeah. For the more dedicated fan bases, the ones that are um, more determined to support yeah. that creator um, and that sort of stuff. Mm. Okay, so that's interesting. Well, mine is broadly the same, actually. Um, yeah, as I in said, yeah. Most of the things. So we've got roughly, uh, I mean, how many followers have you got, Josh? Um, I've just touched over 1,500 recently. Okay, so I'm just over 1,000. So um, my average likes um, in terms of engagement are, are 83. Um, now, what's interesting is I'm pretty militant on culling content mm. from my archive. So what I do is I'll go back, and I've been on Instagram for about, um, well, my earliest post that's on at the minute is 2014, but I think I was actually on a bit earlier uh, than that. I think it was on either 2012 or 2013, almost right from the beginning. Mm. But I didn't post much to start with. And uh, what I've done is I've gone through, and I've pretty much now removed most personal content like mm. of family and stuff. Most stuff has gone now. And I've also removed stuff that, looking back, I'm thinking, not happy with that don't like that on my page. I've gone through and I, the other day I called off over 600 posts. I... So I went through and just absolutely smashed it. Just went through, just like went, nah, nah, nah. It took mm. ages. There should be a I probably wouldn't have been able it. to do that with my old accounts. I've still got thousands of posts on there. So but, I've gone through. So I get, I was, yeah. I, yeah, I was up to about, um, ah, it was about just over a thousand posts and now I'm at about 650. Um, and I just went through and just cold loads of stuff because I was just like, for more than anything else is the fact that the technology I'm shooting with now is that much better and my knowledge has improved that actually the stuff that I look at from a long time ago I'm, it's just like oh cringe I wish I hadn't done that or I've HDR'd something or I've over edited or whatever so I've gone through and mm. just removed stuff um, my engagement rate is almost identical to Josh's uh, of 8.23% mm. uh, um, that kind of links in uh, as well with uh, I've talked about this before that roughly there's about a 1 to 5 ratio of for every 100 people that see your post, you get about 20 likes. Um, yeah. And that's that's broadly the same for everyone that I've ever spoke to. Uh, I think that is the 8% roughly. Um, and then obviously for the like to like to, to sort of view ratio, if you like, the reach to like mm. ratio is roughly the same for every account because it's set by them on the algorithm it must be. It's like it's like with the CPMs on YouTube, yeah. like you get so much per thousand views, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And Something I think like that's that. the point, I think what it's designed to do is accounts that get more and more popular become more popular and they, they grow. allow them to become yeah, more popular they allow yeah. good content creators to grow and obviously that takes time and equally like we've said before some people that were on the platform early it makes a difference so yeah definitely mm. makes a difference my uh, sort of audience if you like my target audience I don't have a specific target audience but if I look at my in, my insights in terms of who actually views my content it's slightly swayed towards men, so it's about 65%. Mm. Um, and I have an age range of between 18 and 34 predominantly. There are a few stragglers higher than that. But that is, again, <laughs> I think largely because of the communities that I associate myself with within the community of like West Mids Photo Collective, Iger's Black Country, that sort of stuff. And if I look at those, 
and then the the networking events that does make a difference like obviously that does mean that a lot of people that i've now follow and they follow me that i've met face to face they're of that age range um but our interests are broadly the same for me and Josh, actually. My photography comes out on top. Uh, most of my uh, audience interests are at 83% photography, 66% travel, which makes sense because I do post travel stuff on my account as well. Mm. And then 59% art and design. That's probably because I do occasionally do like macro-y sort of arty shots and stuff. But It's quite interesting that yours and mine, uh, the travel and tourism and the art design are the opposite way around which I find quite weird. I thought that the travel would be a bit more, but I understand why. It's because of the types of posts that you post now. It's because I post a lot of landscapey stuff as well, and I think that would that would count as like travel. Yeah, like Cornwall and the yeah. cathedral. That was a really good one, obviously. Yeah, and example. again, I think it just goes to show that, you know, the engagement rate hasn't really, hasn't really fluctuated between us. Um, and I think that's just because arguably probably that probably the followers that we have follow us for the stuff that they've seen on our account because it's when we were there if you've changed your account over time so maybe five years ago when mine was predominantly family-based personal page then mm. predominantly maybe that that engagement rate would have been maybe higher because there would have been people the only people that would have been following me and especially if it was um time-based you know chronological order on the algorithm they would have seen those posts and they would have seen posts about me or my family and actually probably would have engaged with that more than perhaps they do if they see a random portrait or uh, yeah. a random uh, coastline picture or something like that. So That yeah. sort of makes sense why you, the uh, the percentage of the follower audience for the photography and yours, presumably mine and yours there, is only a little bit like one or two percent difference. Because we... we associate with a lot of the same groups of people don't mm. we so that's and that's i'd argue that you know, extra we, percentage we... uh was probably taken away from travel and tourism mm. because you post those photos quite locally as well so i don't post as locally so maybe the photography for me is more broad which means i've taken more art and design into into play with the portraits yeah definitely definitely so yeah so um billy should we move on to your your uh target audience yeah i find it really interesting how different um are kind of like free audience interests are so obviously mine's also photography mine's a bit lower in photography well it's considerably lower in photography and um got beauty and fashion which is as high as photography and um that's good from your from your that's perspective what I that's what you were asking yeah yeah I just want to low down. That's what we said yeah, yeah. I just want to leave. it helps your Not arguments obviously I'm a photographer so you expect it to be high but like I didn't want to be Totally photography. It's just it was getting a bit ridiculous. <laughs> I was just like the two the two are entwined yeah. in audience interest. Yeah, and then beauty and fashion, which I'm really happy about actually, because I do try to hashtag that enough. Obviously, as a brand, you want to I, I want to be seen by fashion or beauty brands. So to know that you know my audience interests are on that same level, it does give me that advantage on getting those jobs. You know, and then art and design, which I'm kind of bit like hmm i don't art design i don't know well i suppose they would be arty designing yeah i suppose it depends what art and design is classed as maybe it's because don't forget this is the audience interest so yeah. it might be that they're interested in art and design work and they're looking at i don't know maybe the use of color and stuff like that which it could be also the people that you interact with like phoebe for example because she does graphic design design i have a ridiculous amount of like musicians and like illustrators and Mm. you know social media marketers and stuff like that which would be it's probably where mine has come in then that that makes sense and then um 
I follow a lot more people that have Instagram accounts that are to do with like you know like um, pro design and um, and designing stuff for the Apple Pencil and that. Yeah, like I didn't, uh, and then the the um, gender, I didn't really want it. I'm saying I wanted it to be all female. That's not what the goal is, you know. But um, I am quite happy that it is the amount of female that it is. Like it's like sixty three percent female, which is which is nice. And I do have quite a female following and I think as a female you have more females and I'm kind of happy that I don't have too many pervy men I mean that means my pervy men rate is low down fam low down yeah I think generally that people associate with (laughs) their own gender more so I think on social media like female photographers would probably seek out female photographers Mm, more so because like I know when you've talked about photographers that are inspirational a lot of your inspirational photographers are female inspirational photographers it kind of tells you a lot about yourself it does like whether Instagram might know if you're a tomboy if you think about it like if you interact with a lot of guys it's very interesting I think I I grew up in a very male-based environment so a lot of older yeah, like a lot of older men. My my audience in life was older men, but now I'm very happy to say the feminist in me has like shifted it, and it's it's now like young women, which is cool. I quite like that. Um, the ages are between 16 and 35, and if you do look, I don't know why this is a thing, right? I do get a lot of younger females, like 16 year olds, like in that age. I don't know. Maybe I give off that vibe. Do I give off that vibe? Um, I'm, I would say it's a fifty-fifty, really, for me. Maybe I'll tell you how, why that might be the case. Because you've got a younger sibling, yes. And obviously, I'm assuming you follow each other on the social media platforms. Or do any of her friends follow you on? Ridiculous. Okay, so that's probably. why you get a load of sixteen-year-olds like yeah. finding you. And I do get I, I do find a lot of eighteen-year-olds. So like um. I try to follow people I find models and follow people model well follow people that I think would make good models so a lot of them are in that like 18 to 20 bracket as well so they would fall into that like 16 bit um but I'm not like disappointed with that right you know I, I love how it stops at 35 I don't have many older people at all um I, apparently I don't give off that vibe that's fine. Me. I, I guess that's... <laughs> Except for John. I, I guess the, the, real, the, the, real, the real thing to take away from this is that, like, uh, a lot of people probably fear to check out their ins- insights very often. And even if it's another website like this one where you just type your username and it just tells you something that you didn't think you knew about your account, like, the, uh, uh, the audience interests have really opened my eyes to understand the fact that my audience actually do understand what I like and what they like is what I like which is great it's the the, the fusing of that has worked for me I I find it quite interesting because for me the fact that I know that you know 83% ish of people are photography fans on my audience that gives me a little bit more uh, confidence that if I was to then go and um, try something different in photography they'd probably quite like it it doesn't have to be portraits it could be anything you know, like when I posted the Astro shots that I did in Wales, loads of people like mm-hmm. them, loads of people like them. And that's very different to what I was posting the previous week. So I think it shows people perhaps like the insights show me that people like photography, not just portraits. They like photography. So they like a mm-hmm. range of mm-hmm. different things. Yeah. Astrophotography is probably taking a bigger prevalence right now because there's a lot less um, air pollution at the moment. So you can get those shots a lot more. And there's a lot more going on. You know, the everyone's starting to notice, like, um, yeah, 
the uh, Starlink. Yeah, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then um, another thing I noticed as well was like I have a ridiculous amount of people in Birmingham, which is fine because I'm from Birmingham and I do hashtag Birmingham a lot, and I have got work from Birmingham photographer. So that's not a disadvantage. I didn't probably mention that actually. I think with my one, I noticed I, I didn't I noticed that I've been able to again with the age ranges. I've been able to t- uh, lock lock together uh, uh, Birmingham and London, the circumference around those two regions. And I thought yours would be like London, Nottingham. Actually, Birmingham has overtaken London now, thankfully. And I, I don't say that in a horrible way. Obviously, I love my oh. I love London community and my fam. You know, all over there. But you it's haven't just, shot in London for a while now, have you? Not for a while, only because of the current pandemic, obviously. I can't go out and shoot locally either as well. So like, that's very you, skewed. I don't think you've shot in London for a good while, though, have you? Like like you um, used to. You used to be regularly down in London, but now not so much. I feel like you was in London quite a lot. I think that kind of comes down to also the fact that I now hold down a weekly job. I don't. I don't. I used to go out in the week to London sometimes as well, back in the day when it was cheaper. Like now it's not cheap for me to go. I mean, I'd have to get a coach probably rather than the train because it's like a hundred quid for the train. Um, so, but yeah, I get your point. A lot of money. I, I genuinely seem to, I seem to go to the local things like um, Gareth Walsh's events, obviously. I, I've been to those more so probably than I have been to some meetups in London in recent months. And that's maybe part of my, my thinking of integrating locally again. Cause I have kind of said it as like, almost like a bit of a saga for myself where I kind of was in London for, god knows how many years and i haven't really taken notice that the local community here has started to really pick up big time because obviously london landscape was big for years but then the community shifted to portraits and i come back here and i'm like well okay i should probably spend more time locally and obviously i've been able to attract that that interest and followership again so people like yourselves i wouldn't have probably met if i hadn't have done that so that's been big part of that social change I think socialising with your local area as well. Like, I mean, we wouldn't have even interacted with each other, Josh, if you hadn't have commented on a photo that I posted of Lee's house. Yes. Which was, and you were like, "Oh, that's my, that's one of my local parks," and I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." The localization. That's it. That was the first time. You know, and it was, and then I think you featured you featured one of my posts on the portrait mission. I did, I think, yes. A few weeks later and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, there we go." And then it. I, we didn't speak for ages after that, really. I think we spoke the previous year because I said that I lived near to one of the stations that you go to as well for the train. Yeah. So that we spoke very yeah. briefly about yeah. that. And we spoke about like catching up and stuff. But then last year, probably about a month or so before the podcast was even envisioned, because I actually remember it like it was yesterday. I asked, uh, I was speaking to John about doing a podcast previously before we even met in person. And then Billy was interested as well. And that's how it happened. I can't believe any nature of you about a year now, but like we've done so much social, and that again, it comes down to just small things. Yeah, definitely. Knowing from one little comment how you span a friendship or a followership. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It is, um, and I think it's it's interesting that um, the 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 socialising of things. We've talked about target audiences and stuff like that, um, but I think it's it's quite a it's quite an interesting um, side of things that ultimately. Um, if well, I don't know. I, mean, I suppose it's one of those things where locally, if you can build build and forge those friendships, you're able to sort of develop a small community around you of people that perhaps value your work um, even more so than normal. So that's pretty good. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's um, 
I, I, I like to try and uh, have a, a fair middle stance when it comes to social media as a general rule, because social media um, can be the bane of somebody. It can also be the success of somebody. And generally speaking, it is its own cannibalism problem. It, it, it eats its own problems up, but then also introduces problems that then get fixed and actually become the merits of the social media platform, whether we're talking about Facebook. Like, I think the biggest change in Facebook in years has been the demographic change. People who never used to use Facebook because they weren't tech illiterate, like my mom, for example, she now goes on iP- on her iPad in the morning. Like, yeah. I used to use Facebook yeah. religiously and... N- you used to be one of those people that goes, oh, like for a, for a feature or something like that. And now I use Instagram, which is the more mature platform. And I think I think um, apps have had a lot to do with that. They've changed the way uh, that we that we you integrate, integrate and with them, that yeah. we've changed the way that people socialize on platforms. Because like like you say, your mom, my mom, a Facebook app is much less intimidating than a website that you have to log into and all this sort of stuff, you know. And no doubt she probably said to you, Josh, can you get me on that website? Can you uh, get me on that Facebook? You know, and all that sort of stuff. And then you would have signed her up and said, like, this is how you use it. This is mm. what, how it works, that sort of stuff. I find it funny, but my dad was trying to explain to me how he wanted to use Facebook. The once He wanted to use it just to get onto our swimming triathlon clubs page. He, did want, he wanted to just be a page and not be a user. Yeah, so quite a lot of people that I've spoke to, especially in an older category, their use of social media has been very, very similar um, in the sense that what they want is they just want access to a page. Mm -hmm. So they just, you know, if somebody's uploading photos of a club or something, that's all they want to access. They don't want to do anything else on it. It's just because that's where the platform is. They don't need all the extra junk. They basically, basically, it's like buying a laptop with all the bloatware. You don't want the bloatware. You just want what you want out of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've uh, we've discussed uh, target audiences to death at this point, and uh, it's quite yeah. probably quite a good time to wrap things up for this episode. Do you reckon, guys? Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So you've been listening to episode twenty-four of the Get the Shot podcast uh, with me, John Willis at JRE Willis on Instagram. Josh Deakin at Mr. Josh Deakin. And um, Billy at BFH UK. And until next time, see you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.